Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey everybody, we're back. It's Biscuits. It's a hockey podcast. This is the intro part of the podcast where we say the name of the podcast and we say our names and I am Dave Lozo. I'm here. I talk first. I don't know why I talk first. I think that's just kind of how it started and now it's just our thing and here's the guy who talks second. Hi, it's Sean McIndoe. I'm in Ottawa and I don't know how to open podcasts. Oh, it's easy. So you just ramble for I a let, few minutes. I let Dave do it. Dave gets to be in the starting lineup, and I'm like the table like setter. That. I'm like exactly. the Ricky, Ricky Henderson. I just want to get on base. Just want to just want to get a rally going. Just want to. Well, that's a baseball metaphor. I should probably do something different. I'm I'm uh I'm like Marty Brodeur. You know, I'm I'm starting like 77 games a year, even though I should probably start way less. Um, I'm not as effective as I used to be, but um, I'm also fat. So you know, there's, there's that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I put on some pounds here in the winter. So that's that, that's a more apt metaphor. How'd you like the Super Bowl? Let's talk about the Super Bowl before we do. That was great. Podcast. I I I, yep. I I didn't know what I wanted to have happen until it happened at the end when Brady fumbled and he just sat there on the on his ass and looked sad. Yeah. I was like, that's that's what I wanted. That's what it was. It felt good. No, I I enjoyed it a lot. And usually, this is the first year in a while. Usually, we either have people over or we we go somewhere to watch the game. And this was the first time I just watched it with just the wife and and my two kids. And we like did up like a, we had we had a Super Bowl squares. We drew names for touchdowns, and that I basically introduced my children to gambling. Nice. And you could see like the confusion in their eyes at the beginning, but by like halfway through the first quarter, they were they were right in. They were uh, they're cal- was they're calculating they're calculating like odds percentages and yeah that's like awesome. it, like you know my my kids like looking through like his his like we drew names and you got you got a dollar each time someone scored a touchdown and he's like i've got like eagles special teams like that sucks man like give me <laughs> i want patriots running backs what are you doing he's like trying to work trades and stuff so it was it was nice i mean you know 20 years from now when they're both bankrupt and right 
living out of a back alley in Vegas somewhere, I'll, I'll maybe feel a little bit bad. But for, for one night, it was fun. I remember when I was like 12, I, w- I went on a cruise with my parents for the first time and it was like to the Bahamas, I think it was. And on cruise ships that go to the Bahamas, there's there's a casino. And I somehow ended up like sneaking into the casino and playing video poker. And I remember winning. I want to, I want to, I want to mess a quarters. And when eventually like the pit boss saw me and like I'm, at 12, I really couldn't pull off 21. So they, they were like, you have to go. So instead of giving <laughs> the money back, they, they, they let my dad have it. And then my dad lost it all. So I, I had like, I don't know what it was. It's probably like 20 bucks and quarters in front of me and they were gone. I was like, dad, he's like, well, you shouldn't have been gambling. Let this be a lesson. And it really, it really, it really wasn't. Cause I would go to Vegas tomorrow right now if I could. No, that is that is the absolute worst thing that can happen in gambling is to win your first time. Like yep. I remember when they when they brought like sports gambling to Ontario, like just the little lottery tickets you could buy, and and going in and buying like a like a two dollar ticket, picking three games to all end in ties because we still had ties back then, and winning that ticket. I won like two hundred bucks. Wow! And I was just like, this is life changing. Like I don't have to get a summer job now. I can just do this. <laughs> This is like my new thing. This is so easy. Why is the government giving money away? And, <laughs> the government and I country. then I quickly I quickly found out why that was, and I'm I'm still chasing like win number two uh, decades later. But I remember the, the the first time I ever heard of a box pool was the Giants Bills Super Bowl and Scott Norwood missed wide right, and my dad had my dad had zero and nine in the box pool, and I was like, wait. Those are terrible numbers. This is like before two-point conversions where if you had like a yeah. nine, you were screwed. And he won. And so I was like, oh, man, I'm doing this next year. And I have literally – that was that was Super Bowl 25, so that was like 27 years ago. I've literally never won a box pool my entire life ever. Mm-hmm. And be all beca- But I'm like, well, my dad had zero and nine. So any number I get, I can ra- – I have a two and a six. I can win with that. My dad won with zero and, and I never win ever. Oh, gambling is great, gambling. isn't it? Gambling is fun. <laughs> Uh, speaking of gambling, would you, would you, how, how would you be doing this year if when the NHL went to a goaltender interference review, if you oh, had yeah. to bet on what was going to be the, the result of the review, would you be, how, how far down would you be right now? I would be, I'd be <laughs> oh, even further down than God. I am. And it's the worst. It's, it's completely, I mean, it's, it's a complete mess. I think that's, that's a good way to, to put it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's... but here, okay, here's where I'm going to do something that we don't do very often. You can be positive? You can be positive? I, this isn't, I, I'm not going to say I'm going to be positive. Okay. Because this is not going to come across very positive at all. But <laughs> what I'm going to do, because here's the situation. So the, the NHL over the All-Star weekend, they don't change the rule on goalie interference, but they basically send a clarification to the officials and they say, look, you're you're supposed to be looking for big obvious things don't watch the play 10 times and pick out some little tiny thing mm-hmm. and and take a goal away based on that if you don't see something obvious let the call on the ice stand replay is supposed to catch the really major misses uh we're not we're not trying to nitpick here and then we have in the first week of that we have a couple of cases uh where plays that I think we can all agree would have been overturned the previous week. Don't get overturned. Which ones? Which ones? Which uh, ones do you think? Well, I mean, there were, there was the uh, the the James Neal slash. Yeah. On Connor Hallibuck. That still should have been overturned. I still don't. And there was the the uh, the 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 Blues game, the the play between the Bruins and Blues, where they basically yeah 
came in and did the NHL 93 move and yes, that's exactly Jake what it Allen was. and he slid off into the corner and then they shoot the puck into the open net. And, and there, you know, there've been, there've been others, but those seem to be the two that people are really upset about. And, and what I'm going to say here is everybody just chill out. Think back to how mad we all were like a week or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that long ago. When they were taking away goals like Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, goals were getting yanked away based on really minor stuff, and we were all frustrated, and the league, for once in all of our lives, actually listened and took action and didn't kick the can down the road and didn't say, we'll talk about it in the offseason. They actually did. They didn't do much, but they did a small thing, and that's probably all they could have done. Uh, with a, you know over over an All Star weekend, but they actually took action. And at the time, and I can't remember if I said this last week when we were talking about it, but I remember thinking that at the time, okay, we're going to see some calls that are going to change now. This is why you tweak the rule because you want to see different results. Let's not all freak out the first couple of times that a call that maybe would have gone one way a few weeks ago goes another way against just because it's against your particular team let's think about the big picture here let's remember that we all didn't like the way the rule was going before and let's not overreact the first couple of times that we see it called differently now admittedly that the two examples i just mentioned right <laughs> those were those were a little more over the top than than the, i thought we were gonna the, get the bruins blues one i don't like i can see how so like i think the james neal one like here's here's my like the bruins blues one is just to me it's just so obviously inter- I, I don't understand how that one counts but the the, the one with james neal it, it it looks like it's not like i understand you go to the review and you say well we can't call slashing we can't review for right. slashing but here here's what i here's my thing about the james neal play as as a as a longtime superstar um, beer league intramural hockey goaltender, here, here's here's what I can tell you about that play: is when when a puck hits you and you know you stopped it, but you don't think you have it. You basically you do what every goalie you've ever seen always does: he just sits there and he freezes, and you feel like he's frozen. But what what a, what a goalie is doing in that situation is he's mentally searching for the puck. He's he's feeling for it. He's he's checking all the areas on his body without even moving where the puck would wind up. He's like, is it between my arm and my body? No. Is it between my, like my pants and my pad? No, it's not there. And you're going through like a progression of where the puck could be. And then you feel the people around you sort of like converging at a point. Yes. And then you you realize, oh, it's between my feet behind me probably. So what the goalie does is he sits down, lays back, covers the puck. Mm. If somebody breaks a stick over your collarbone while you're doing that, you're going to stop doing your progression. You're going to be like, ow, Somebody just broke a stick over my neck that really, oh, and then the puck's in the net. So right. that to me, it, it he's not pushing the goalie into the net. He's not knocking him yeah. over, but he's interfering with the goalie's ability to do his job by breaking a stick over him. That's why that one to me, I can see how you wouldn't call it, but that's why to yeah. me that one needs to be See, that's, that's the problem with that one. It should not have been a goal. Clearly, that is slashing. I know Dustin Bufflin kind of, it kind of hit him at the and knocked his stick up a little bit, but that is slashing. That should be two minutes for slashing. And if the attacking team commits a penalty before the goal, then the goal does not count. Everybody would agree that that mm-hmm. should not have been a goal because of the slash. But the problem is the slash is not reviewable. 
the interference is reviewable. And I think if you take away the fact that it was a, you know, a, a, he broke his stick over the guy's broke over the guy's face, which I will grant you is a little bit tough to just shuffle off to the side. But the the fact is you had a player commit an infraction that should have been called a penalty. That infraction isn't reviewable. So then it becomes did the infraction itself result in interference that that prevented the goal prevented the goaltender from from doing his job and i think you you make a good case that it is and yeah i mean that as a goalie even if you think you've got it under you that the two things that will clue you in that you don't is number one the whistle not going and number two when a forward on the other team suddenly makes that kind of jump towards you because clearly he sees something that you don't see and and yeah getting slashed right in the right across the face might uh might, might might hurt you. Might make it a little bit tough to notice that you know somebody's coming in from the other side. But again, the the officials have been told if it's not obvious, like if it's like I, I get the feeling that the you know what the officials have kind of been told is if you're going to change the call, it better be a hundred percent. There can't there can't be any of these. We change the call, and then people are still calling it a coin flip. If it's a coin flip, keep it as it is, and we just live with it. And I think there is, you know, even though in that particular case, nobody would have been mad if the goal got taken off because it should have been a slash. And we would have said, okay, well, that's, you know, he should have got a penalty too, but we'll we'll consider that a fair result. You know, I think there is a case to be made that that was a lot like the Austin Matthews goal the week before. That was a case where the, the puck was behind the goalie. Somebody was going for it. The goalie was not going to recover in time to reach back and grab it. And in a world where we're supposed to only overturn things that are very obvious and we're 100% sure, that isn't obvious enough to get us to the 100% to overturn it. So I, I feel like in a weird way, it was the wrong result, but I get how they got there. And I, I can't be that mad at the league and the officials and the war room and, and whatever because, you know, I, I feel like that's how they want it called. And it was unfortunate that there was a missed penalty, but the missed penalty isn't the part that they can review. And I, I've seen other people go, well, you, surely we can, be, you know, we should be able to review. If a penalty happens right before a goal, let's include that. And it's like, guys, have we not learned from the past here of, you know, when, when Matthew Shane went offside, we all went, well, that's obvious. We got to review that. When Colton Orr sat on top of a goalie, we went, that's obvious. Saying, well, you know, let's just review the obvious stuff. We know where that leads. And I, I can't imagine anyone right now is really uh, anxious to add more replay review to the NHL. So, I mean, if, if a ref misses a slash, then he just missed a slash. And sometimes slashing isn't necessarily interference. Uh, even though it it should have had the same ultimate result, like I think if you slash him over the legs, you know, like that's that's you know what I mean. Like you've got big giant pads on, like it's fine. But like the upper body is yeah. not as protected. And the other I, one, and, the, and I agree with you. It's just that I'm I'm up to like seeing it that way and thinking of it that way and arguing about it that way. That gets me up to like seventy or eighty or ninety percent. No, sure yeah, for sure. This is interference for sure. But we want a hundred percent. We want the one where you look at the replay and go, "Oh yeah, we, you know, how did we miss that?" And 
but obvious but obvious that... is subjective though like i thought i thought huberto and and Mrazek was obvious and somehow that wasn't it, but... it is subjective but you know what the the other thing is if and because there's always going to be a gray area it doesn't like every time something like this happens somebody wants to rewrite the rule or tweak the rule like there's always going to be a gray area interference is a judgment call there there's always going to be wherever you put the line there's going to be a play that's that, that's right on it. it you know what let's err on the side of leaving goals on the board mm. that that doesn't seem like a bad i mean err mm. on the side of letting the call on the ice stand sure mm. but mm. usually the call on the ice is a goal because as soon as you put replay in officials start letting more stuff go because they know the replay can save them if they've yeah. really messed it up let's let goals count i mean you're you're that I, I feel I feel bad for a team that gives up a goal in a situation that that maybe by a strict reading of the rule book shouldn't have counted. But it's like you know you, you got two hundred feet of ice, man. You 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 gave up one hundred ninety of those feet. You let the the puck come into your crease. You let the other team like don't go looking to the referee to save you now at the last second. Once the puck's in your net, you know like let, we don't have enough goals in this league. If it's a gray area, mm. if it's not obvious, mm. let the goal stand and. You know, it's, 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 it's going to be frustrating if it happens to your team. And I hope it doesn't happen in the playoffs. I hope it doesn't happen in, you know, in overtime or something, but it's, you know, I, I have some sympathy here for the NHL because I feel like we all complained. They actually listened. And then we all complained in the exact opposite direction almost immediately. And I kind of get why that might lead to a league that is predisposed to just throwing up their hands every time there's a problem and saying, we're not going to do anything because we can't, people are going to complain one way or another. So we're going to do what we normally do, which is just nothing. Yeah. But the the thing too is, is that now if you're going to go completely the other way and not call the obvious interferences because you have an insane, you know, checklist for what is obvious, then you're going to, like 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 I understand what you're saying about are on the are on the side of a goal because you can review it. But I mean, it's like in, it's like in football where um, there's like a guy who's clearly down and the ball yes. comes out. And the referee is just like, eh, it's a fumble. We can review it because they'll recover it. It's a turnover. It's mm-hmm. automatically reviewed. It doesn't cost anybody a challenge. But if you're gonna err on the side of goals, I think you have to err on the side of being more leery about letting and, them count when you review because this way yeah you, you, i mean like the, the 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 reasoning of allowing goals to stand because nobody scores goals anymore i don't necessarily love that like i just don't understand how the bruins blues goal counts like that like 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 to me well, like that's insanely obvious and 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 here's the thing after everything i just said i don't get how that counts either. <laughs> right like like fine now, like fine like uberdo you can be like well you know the contact was minimal and mike green a little new yeah. i still think it's interference and it's obvious but i can okay fine sure sure I'm, sure i get it but man i'm i'm not as mad i'm not over the top mad about the the, the blues goal only because they've just changed the rule i'm willing to you know accept a bit of an adjustment period and uh, you know, and it's, it's not my team. So I'm, you know, it's a lot easier for me than it is for, for Doug Armstrong or a blues fan, but I don't get that one. It's weird. The, the, it's weird. and if, if people haven't seen it, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, it, yeah. we're not exaggerating. There's two Bruins come through the crease and just clear Jake Allen out. Just wipe him out. At which point he kind of stands up 
And I mean, he's he's five feet away from his own crease at this point. It's amazing. He stands up, the puck is in the crease, the, the Bruins <laughs> knock it into the net, and apparently the explanation that was given to the Blues, and we got to take this with a grain of salt, because this is coming from, from the Blues, not from the officials, because God forbid we ever hear from officials in the NHL to directly explain their call. Uh, and, and And, you know, we should also point out that in all of these cases, the explanation from the official on the ice, as always, completely useless. Useless. Completely. I mean, like if if the ref in the in the Jets game had been had had just said, you know, on further review, there's contact with the goaltender, but it does not prevent him from making right. the save. Right. We have a good goal. Like that would that would have taken like twenty percent of the heat off right there. Also, also, but they don't also, do that. They re- just referees, go, good goal. Re- no, no, no. Re- referees have to stop doing the thing when the goal counts saying after review there's no goaltender interference you have to stop using yes. those words in that order yes. it's screwing <laughs> with people's heads and it's not fair that after review yeah. we have no goal tender interference like yeah, yeah it's that's kind of dickish but yeah it, no, that that is that's true. but yeah the and so going back to the the blues goal the explanation from the officials to the blues were told is that they felt like allen did not that that even after the interference, he he gave up on the play. He didn't fight to get back. And I I will tell you, putting the that play aside, I like that. I like that that, that is something they're apparently looking at because we have seen that. We have yeah. seen cases where a goalie gets nudged and he's like, I'm out. I'm 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 done for this play. I got nudged. I'm just gonna sit here and the puck goes in and well, yeah, but I got interfered with eight seconds ago and decided to stop doing my job, so it's goalie interference. I like that the NHL is saying, "Look, you got to go. You, you've you've got to be putting in full effort to play your position at all times, uh, and you know whether you're interfered with or not. Keep playing, and then we'll decide uh, if it was interference." I like that, but unless yeah. Jake Allen can teleport, right? J- like Jake I, Allen could have been I'm, 15 feet tall, and he wasn't going to extend back yeah, into the net to make the save. There was no chance in the world, like. I'm all for saying to goalies, like, you can't give up on the play. But you know what? If you're, like, there were fans who were closer to that puck when it went in the net than, than Jake <laughs> Allen was. There was no chance. So, again, but, you know, again, like, I just feel like I can't come on this this podcast and, and, and write things and all this other stuff dumping on the league for taking all these goals away on little nitpicky calls and, and tell them that, like, hey, you know, let's let's move in the direction of letting the calls on the ice stand and then turn around and dump on them when it happens after one week after they've made the change that I basically wanted them to make, even though I do feel like in those two cases, we, we ended up with the wrong result and it, in at least one of the cases, a wrong result that should have been caught and overturned by replay. Yeah. I just I, something's going to happen in the playoffs, and it's going to ruin something. I don't know what. I don't know which but, way it's going to go. But see, but... this is this is why I'm glad they made the the change here because at least it gives us some adjustment time. This is why you don't change it right before the playoffs because then, yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you change anything pe- that people have gotten used to being called a certain way, somebody is going to turn around. If somebody's the first time it's called differently, and that goes against some team, that team is going to be like, well, what the hell? Like that's that this this isn't what we're used to. So I mean, in a way I kind of hope we get more plays like this, hopefully not as as obvious as the 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 ones we saw this week. 
But I hope we get more because clearly, based on the reaction from from fans and, and media and, and even the teams themselves, we all need a little bit of practice in dealing with the, this new way the rule is going to be called so that hopefully by the time the playoffs rolls around, you know, it, it's this league did a very very stupid thing which is they've spent the last few years training us not to, to assume that a goal isn't going to count or to wait and see on every goal and to always have in the back of your mind even if it's you know your team gets scored on going well let's hold on let's watch the replay real close and see and and they did this in 99 with the skate in the crease rule they did it again this time maybe they're moving away from it before it ruins a playoff series okay, it's going to take us a little time to retrain ourselves that when you see the puck go in, you think goal and not, well, let's hold on. Let me see a replay and see if I can pick out some phantom interference somewhere to get my team off the hook. My last thought is just the stick stuff. I I feel like that referees aren't going to call anything involving the stick, like the James James Neal thing. And also there was a play in the Kings-Coyotes game, which probably didn't matter because it involved the Coyotes and they weren't going to win anyway, but... Tanner Pearson, in a, in a way less violent way, hits Scott Wedgwood in the head with his stick as he's coming through the crease. Like, he's just skating through, and the stick's there, and it hits him in the head. And it clearly throws off Scott Wedgwood, and then the shot comes, and it beats Wedgwood, and it goes in and counts. Yeah. If, like, if I'm, go- if I'm a goalie, like, I, I would be really worried about this, this thing where it seems like you can just kind of whack away at the goaltender and a puck goes in and it still counts like i get it yeah. like you can't review slashing but it's still i think if you and hit a goalie if because... you hit a goalie with a stick while he's making a save you're interfering with him his ability yes. to do it but and and it is tough because if 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 especially if it's a loose puck situation in the crease as a referee you are laser focused on that puck i mean you are the one you've got you've got to be able to see it you've got to know where it is you've got to know uh it, you know i can understand why as as ridiculous as it sounds a goalie getting slashed in the head right in front of you might get missed and that's one where you know, you almost need a little help from from your partner on the on the backside to to see it from a distance um yeah and and the other thing that does worry me a little bit cuz i had a few people make this point to me on on the hellebuck goal was he he gets slashed in the face hard enough to break a stick he doesn't really react to it and I had people say, if he throws his hands up in the air and dives back into the net and rolls around on the ground, that's probably going to be no goal. Yeah. That that might, and, yeah. and, and, you know, it's the same thing. And, you know, we've seen goalies, let's be honest, man, there, there are goalies in this league who sell this stuff. They, they really do. And, and it's, be, and it's causing some problems because especially when you've got a new, a relatively new concussion protocol in place where if somebody goes to the ice holding their head they're supposed to come out uh it's it's that was kind of training goalies not to do that but if goalies start to feel like the way that they get a call is that they've got to really sell or even oversell the contact it it might start getting a little bit silly and i I hope we don't go there i don't know what you do i i don't you know maybe we just have to have a few plays where a goalie does a backward somersault into his net holding his head and we let the goal count because we go, you know what, dude, you're, you were selling it and you're not, you know, and it didn't work. Uh, or maybe when that happens, we yank the goalie out of the game and, and tell him to go to the quiet room for a little bit, even though we all know he was putting on a show. I don't know. I, but mm. that is kind of one of the, 
Every time the NHL changes anything, there's always the, the law of unintended consequences kicks in. And I wonder if like a month from now, we're going to be sitting there going, geez, man, these goalies are all flopping around like crazy all of a sudden because they're not, they're not getting the interference calls they used to get. After review, we have a good goal. Also, two minutes for <laughs> unsportsmanlike conduct diving, number 31, Calgary. And you're like, wait, wait, if they explain that. <laughs> On further review, the goalie kind of got hit over here. But then he grabs over here, and he snaps they his head back. And that's yeah, not I, really why not. And, like the, and 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 I want to see the ref acting it out too. I want him to be like. <laughs> and then he twists his body like this, but he uses his hands to break his fall, and that's not what you do if you fall. I mean, that's. <laughs> oh God, I hate so this we league have, so much. It's, uh, it's so dumb. All right, I'm well, sticking up for you, NHL. I'm. This is this is your one for the season. So yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Well. Let's 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 do the midway break and then we'll come back and we'll we'll bitch about stuff like suspensions and I think we're gonna talk a little about talk a little bit about Marc Andre Fleury maybe I don't know yeah who the heck knows I already said it so now we gotta do it so okay we'll be right back. So uh, you're you're the lord of the show today. I I don't wanna I don't wanna just start talking and then we do a thing. I want you to tell me what you want to talk about next like up there in Ottawa in the, the the Canada, the birthplace of hockey. What's on your mind? Tell me, Sean. You know what? Let's do let's do flurry. Let's go to that since we just we're 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 sort of transitioning from the goalies into mm, yeah. a more positive goaltending story, which is that. Tonight, Tuesday night, Marc-Andre Fleury returns to Pittsburgh as a member of the Golden Knights and, from all accounts, is going to get pretty much a hero's welcome. Yep. He should. Um, He should. One of the things that annoys me to no end, one of the many, is that (laughs) is players coming back to places and getting, like, getting booed or getting blamed. Like, why are you booing that guy? He didn't, you know... Yeah, unless somebody quit on the team or trash talked you on the way out, like why are we? Yeah, why are we? At, like Dion Phaneuf gets booed in Toronto. Why? Why? What did? What did he do that he sucked? Other than yeah, well, <laughs> so did so did a lot of guys. He had a he had a chance to boot. Now he sucks for some other team. So that that should make you happy. He sucked for seven million a year. Like it's one thing to like yeah. suck for like nine twenty five k. I think that and was... now he's now he's sucking for seven million a year for a team that doesn't have seven million a year. That's in your division. You should be giving him a standing ovation. <laughs> I remember when Rick Nash went back to Columbus and everybody booed and they were like, why are they booing him? He was an original. Yeah, but he kind of fucking pissed yeah. and moaned his way out of Columbus. Like, that's why he's getting like that. Like, don't be surprised about yeah. every single one. Like, sometimes... no, I'm not. I'm that I can see. But like, yeah. you know, like I get like the Leaf fans, they boo Phil Kessel. Like, what? What do you? Yeah. That, yeah. You, you know, that one's bad. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't. So, but yes, apparently Mark Andre Fleur is going to get this, this big heroes welcome and, and it, and rightfully so. And, but my, my question, and it, it, this is a question that popped in my head and I thought I had an easy answer. And then the more I think about it, maybe, maybe I don't. So I'm going to pose it to you. Oh no. Is Marc-Andre Fleury going to be a Hall of Fame goalie when he, given the track his career is on? Um, no. Is he headed to the Hall of Fame? I mean, he shouldn't be. Like he, Chris Osgood should get in before him, and Chris Osgood shouldn't get in. So I feel like 
Mark Andre Fleury here. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna call up his stats because I knew we were gonna I knew we were gonna do this, and I want I want to have a statistical based um, analysis of this man. So so okay. he has the he has the three Stanley Cups. He 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 won the first one, and he really was just kind of hanging out for the second one, and he helped he helped a fair amount. Yeah, throwing the third. He's kind of got like one and a half Stanley Cups as a starter. Yeah, he's he's he's, but again, like Chris Kunitz has four five what does he have he's got a, he's got a shit ton of cups yeah. he's he's four he's, on his way to five chris kunitz is kind of like the mark andre Fleury of wingers where yeah he's you, 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 yeah sure but let's see career you're, career you're gonna come after my family like that <laughs> he's, he's got a he's got a career 912 save percentage he's yeah. he's and, and and like it's hard to kind of put that in perspective without like just calling up everybody from his era but 912 mm-hmm. eh. like like before it was it was so weird because like for a long time so so they win the cup in 0809 and he he goes from 912 to 905 to 918 to 913 to 916 to 9, he's he's been pretty much he was pretty much league average for like 4 years and then he he people seem to forget this like he he lost his job to Matt Murray like he was playing so yeah. poorly the Penguins were like, let's let's get this like 130 pound dude from the AHL in the lineup a little bit and see what happens. And now you see with Flurry gone, like like the, the the Penguins are just like creating dudes in like an EA Sports like create a player mode, and they're just throwing guys in goal, and they're all putting up like 925s, like Casey DeSmith. Yeah. Casey DeSmith's not a real person. Like he just <laughs> seriously, Jim Jim Rutherford like pressed a button in a lab, and suddenly was like, oh, okay, Tristan Jarry. Like these are just not real people, and they're all doing really well in net behind a really good Penguins team. So, right. Um. Um. Th- that's the thing is like whenever you have these teams that are dynastic in a way, and the Penguins. I mean, there's a lot of space between the first and second cup, but you people always want to put in like a, like Edmonton. Like you got to put in like eleven dudes from the Oilers because of the dynasty and the Islanders. You got to put in like nine guy. The Penguins are going to kind of be that team, I think, a little bit. But you know, eh, he's he's the, the other weird yeah. thing about Flurry is like he they they go to the Stanley Cup final in two thousand and eight. They win in two thousand and nine. And then he had like those bad playoff years. And, and like remember, there was a time where it was like. Mark on that, that was the joke. Like Mark Andre Fleury chokes right. in the playoffs. Right. He's got to be the only goalie in history to have a Stanley Cup ring and still be considered like a playoff choker. He was. He it was, was really, it was he really was... strange. You're just like, did we all miss that like this guy won like 30 playoff games in in two years, but then he lost it. Like he was, he was scoring on. A, I remember the Flyer series where he was like, he, like, oh, but, he scored but did he lose it or oh, did no. he lose it or did we just no, was, all overreact to? Oh, he was bad. Like a a week and a half long sample a couple of times, and I don't know. It, it's it, goaltending's weird. When I said, you know, I said that I thought initially this was an easy answer because initially I was with you. I was like, no, he's he's not, he's the Hall of very good. He's a guy that is you know he's he was fine and, and and you know the the what i always like to look at when you're talking about hall of fame cases not that i think it's 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 necessarily the best measure of a player but i think it's very useful is is you look at the awards you look at the award voting and mark andre fleury in his entire career has received two votes for the vesna <laughs> In both 2011 and 2012, he received a single third place vote. Remember, the Vezina is the GMs; they only vote one, two, three, and and that's it. 
Those are the only times that any of the 30 GMs in his 12-year career have ever felt that he was even in the top three. So I look at that and I go, yeah, that backs up my kind of gut-level impression that this guy was a good goaltender on a very good team, but that's it. Mm-hmm. But I knew there was a but. I knew it. Well, the the but that's coming is, and I got to... I feel like I should almost put like a content warning on what I'm about to say because people are going to get very, very mad. Not safe for Pittsburgh. But. But. He's got 390 wins. Oh, wins. Calm down, stats nerds. I know that wins wins isn't a good, wins isn't a good way to measure goalies, except if you're talking across eras, because you talk, like, how do you measure save percentage versus, you know, the 80s? Like, I think when you're talking over the course of a career, it's not a bad way to look at it because I'll tell you right now, if you look at the, you know, that he's, he's into almost into the top 12 in wins. You look at that top 12 list. It's pretty good goaltenders mm-hmm. and he's, and, and, and I will agree with you. The guy right in front of him right now is Chris Osgood. See, and, and, and that's even the know blocker. That. <laughs> that's the blocker because if, if Osgood's not in and if, if he's behind Chris Osgood in wins, his argument to be a Hall of Famer if Chris Osgood isn't a Hall of Famer, and I agree with you, he's not. How far back is he in wins? His, he crumbles. But he's, he's only, he's like 10 wins back. Oh, yeah, obviously. Get and that. so he's going to pass, he might pass him this year, certainly, you know, assuming he, even if he just plays even one more year, and I mean, Fleury could play five more years, who knows, but, um, you know, he's he's going to pass Chris Osgood, he's going to pass Grant Fear, and he's going to pass Glenn Hall, and that'll move him into the top 10, and everybody ahead of him there, there's the the list of goalies who will be ahead of him in the top ten for for wins, and I know I know wins isn't a great stat, but I get, you're you're measuring across eras. It's, it's not it's not a bad one. Hmm. The guys ahead of him are going to be Hall of Famers. It's two active guys, Roberto Luongo and Henrik Lundqvist, who I think most people would say are going to be in the Hall of Fame. I would hope. And then there's Curtis Joseph, who's the one outlier who's sitting there fifth all-time in wins and hasn't got into the Hall of Fame. But the knock against Curtis Joseph is never won a championship. There's nobody ahead of Marc-Andre Fleury once he passes Chris Osgood who's got more wins and who's who's in that range of wins and has a cup ring who isn't in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Mix in the fact mm-hmm. that the hockey world seems to love this guy. Oh, that's the factor, man. Like, yeah. He's, I, he's... I think he's got a... I, I guess what I'm saying is I... You know, we don't know how the future's going to go and you know, maybe three years if he's... I mean, if he's playing like this year, because he kind of had this... this He's been so much better this year than we thought. If this is... He does two or three more years like this, it, it probably starts moving him closer to slam dunk territory. I think I wind up in the same place you are, which is I don't think he's there. But I feel like we kind of need to prepare ourselves for the fact that he he might get there anyways, because people seem to love the guy, uh, and you know, and he's also he's he was a number one overall pick in the probably the the best draft of uh, arguably of all time, which doesn't really matter, but probably probably does in the sense that it you know he he was a guy that from the moment he came into the league, people were viewing him as. A potential star he wasn't somebody like an osgood who kind of had to work his way into that conversation so i th- i think i come down on a no but i'm already preparing myself for it to 
for it to be a yes because I could uh, I could see it. I mean, if he if if a few years from now he's up for consideration and he's sitting there top ten in wins, three Stanley Cup rings, and we're talking about the guy who was the goalie during the Penguins dynasty and then went to Vegas and helped immediately establish them as the greatest expansion team in sports history, and that's his legacy. Uh, he's played like nineteen games this year. Come on, yeah, come on. But he's the face. Of, he's the face of that team, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's he's he's. I, I see the argument. I, I, I see your I've argument moved away sure. from. I'm not arguing for him now, and now I'm kind of. I've moved from. <laughs> should he to will he? Yeah, that's. But I will I he's interesting. That, will he? Yeah. All right, ready, ready, ready. 2010 playoffs, 891 save percentage in 13 games. 2011 playoffs, 899 and seven. 2012, 834 and six. 2013, 883 and four. Yeah, they're small sample sizes, but the sample size might be bigger if he was actually stopping pucks during those four was, years. But he was good last year. They don't win a Stanley Cup without him last year. Of course not. I no, know. No. He, I know he wasn't the starter in the in the final, but he uh, he was real good last year in the playoffs. And I don't know. I, I just feel like if you've had three really good playoff runs that all resulted in your team at least making the Stanley Cup final, I think it's kind of hard to hang the playoff underachiever label on you yeah but how many like he's won three but how many how many have they left on the table because of him how about how about two years ago when matt murray first came on the scene and it was the tampa series and they go to game five and it's two two and mike sullivan's like gotta go to mark andre Fleury, and mark andre Fleury gives up four goals on like 30 shots and they're down three two and then who comes in to save the day is matt murray he wins game six and seven and they win the cup like it's it's like I I, yeah. I like I get it for sure. Like the will he is a definitely a, an interesting question, but should he? Uh, yeah, I, I I think should he? I'm at the point where it's it's trending to a no, and I it would take an unexpected. I don't I don't know if I'd say late career renaissance. I, mean, I think you probably could say that because he he did lose his job in Pittsburgh. There's time. But I do sure. think the fact that, I mean, he's like the anti-Tom Barrasso where like you look at Tom Barrasso's numbers, you're like, this guy's got a Hall of Fame case, but it's like nobody likes this guy. He was a jerk. So <laughs> it's a non-starter. Forget it. It's never going to happen. Fleury's kind of the the uh, the bizarro Tom Barrasso. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll rogue you think he's going to yeah, I like I. I feel like we can just give him like an extra thirty wins on his career total, just as like a nice guy <laughs> tax. By the way, tonight, tonight, what, what do you think he does tonight? I, I, I feel like it's going to be. I feel like he's going to get tons of cheers, going to be emotional, and then like he's going to give up like four goals on thirteen shots. Like I just, I have this bad feeling about tonight. Not bad. I don't care, but I feel like it's not going to yeah. go. I feel like it's not going to go well. You know, like he's kind of due. He's kind of due for a little bit of a correction, and the Penguins are are playing better. And I don't know. I feel like if he, yeah, I don't, yeah, that would be. I hope he comes in, and gives up like one goal, seventeen minutes into the first period, and gets pulled. Just <laughs> just yank him right out. It's like the second. Or shot he gets of the game. or he gets shelled, and they like they leave him in because they're like we can't pull him in Pittsburgh, and he ends up doing like the reverse Patrick Waugh, like. <laughs> Speaking of Patrick Law, I, I know we, I don't think we talked about this, but I don't understand why Henrik Lundqvist doesn't want to get traded. 
Like, like what's he th- like? He's never going to win. Yeah. Like, I understand he's got family and roots here and he's lived his whole adult life here and everything. But like, fuck, it's over, man. Like you have three more years on your contract. Like, why would you want to languish here for the next? And he never looks happy. Yeah. Like during games, like he's no, constantly he bitching at his defense. And I, I don't blame him. I don't think he likes his teammate. I think maybe that's it. Maybe it's the fact that he figures they're all getting traded. So maybe, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he just seems to me like a very New York guy. He is. He loves New York. Like, and and I, I remember the knock I, on him a long, for a long time was like he cares more about living in New York than he does about winning, which is stupid. But I mean, yeah, now, but now, I, now I, that we're here, I kind of, I'm kind of like, oh, well, he doesn't want to. You think he'd be open to it, but I, yeah, I, I can't see him being a guy where he, you know, like they send him off to some, you know. It's hard to some, trade. It's hard to trade a nine million dollar goaltender with three years left on his deal, but. I don't know. I just, I, I kind of, I just, it's like, I want to see him happy. I want, I'd like to, I like Henrik. He's a nice guy. I'd like to see him not mm-hmm. be miserable. It reminds me of Marty Brodeur towards the end where like all of the, like the team stopped being good finally. And he was just constantly after every goal, looking at his defense, like, like Henrik to Linder, like, what are you doing? Why are you cheat? Like he's looking up at Brendan Smith now. Like why four year deal? What are you doing in front of me? And I don't, I don't understand mm-hmm. why he wants to be a part of that for the next he loves New York. I get the, the, the one thing I'd say with him is at least he's actually saying like I, like no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to finish my career in New York, and it's not because you get those weird situations where players sometimes are like, I don't want to be traded, but then let's see, like you're kind of getting that with the Sedins right now, where they're like, we're we're not gonna we're gonna wait till the off season and then figure out what's what we wanted, and it's like, well, wait a second, what do you mean? figure out i thought you said you were canucks for life right yeah. like what is there to figure like you're coming back or you're not is that or are you gonna like pull the pull the matt sundin move and like i want to be here for life and then the off season comes and you're like see you later suckers life like, life is a funny thing actually i i, I yeah. life is how you experience it and wait what are you what are you doing yeah wait why are you wearing it oh matt but and like that, and it's and it is possible I'm bringing this up for no reason other than I'm I'm a bitter Leaf fan who's still mad that the Canucks stole Matt Sundin, so I I'm just projecting that I want it to happen happen to them, but yeah, no, I don't. So yeah, that's that's what would bug me if I'm the Rangers, if like you know you get to, to then to the off season and Lundqvist is like, actually, you know what? On second thought, yeah. like, dude, we could have like we needed this at the deadline, but maybe oh well. Oh well. Are you are you pumped for the deadline? Or are you are you feeling that like? Um, here's I I, I feel like three the new, weeks the the new deadline thing is is expectations being too high, like oh Eric Carlson Eric, oh look at the Rangers they're 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 in yeah. a playoff spot and by the way I, I think the Rangers haven't won since they got Cody McLeod I don't know if that's a coincidence or what but. Um, yeah, but he's doing a great job of protecting them, right? I mean, yeah, the first you're two, not the those, fir- those goon squads like the Predators are no. are too scared to throw a hit. The first two games he played, they, they know they lost three guys to head injuries. <laughs> the first two games he lost, they lost Buchnevich, Stahl, and VC. I, mean, like, I don't believe. I it. mean, Philip Forsberg is you know a grade A goon, but he's not going to take any liberties when he knows. That. I was surprised he got three games. Like I wasn't surprised he got suspended yeah. because I felt like I felt like it was like an accident. Like he thought he had VC lined up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he was trying to time the hit from going in front of the net to behind the net. And he's not a hitter, so he doesn't, like, yeah, he goes, quite know how to pull it off. Like, it's going to... Like, I think he was trying to get out of the way, but then he ends up, like, cronwalling him with his ass, and he hits the ground, yeah. the ice hard, and the suspension was you fine. Know, but... You know what I kind of felt on that one? And I maybe I might, maybe I'm reaching here a little bit, I, but I feel like that was the first real 
late hit that they've had since the Cogliano one. It was late. It was really late for sure. It was late. I mean, that was the thing, right? It was late and to the head. The the hit itself, just purely the contact was clean, like the co- but it was late and I could, I, you know, they took so much heat over the Cogliano suspension. I could see them feeling like if we go light on this one, mm. we're gonna have we're gonna open that all up again. Even though you know the Cogliano one was later, uh, it was yeah th- that that was another one though where yeah we talk about how the league never explains their decisions on 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 reviews and interference that was one where when i saw it i was like yeah i don't know and then i watched the video that they put out and i was like yeah okay that they made some good points and i feel uh yeah like those those videos they put together for the suspensions are so useful i don't understand how they don't see a line between that and what they could be doing with the reviews i i think they need to do more why this guy wasn't suspended videos like Alexi Yemelin. Yes. Like the Alexi. Yep. So, so on that hit, ah, like I'm, I, I, when I saw it to me, like, so Mark Stahl, Mark Stahl is like six, three, he's tall. And on that play, he's down low. He's got his head like along the dasher almost. Cause he's reaching to play the puck, but like, it's not as though he reaches down late. Like his head is kind of on the same plane the whole way. And if he's standing upright and Emelin hits him the way he mm-hmm. does, it's, it's a fine hit, but he's just lower, but he's he's already low. So I just kind of want to know why they felt like that. Like, are, are, did, yeah. like, did like player safety say, well, he lowered his head at the last second or his head changes the, the, the level? But I don't think it does. But like, that's one where you kind of want to be like, well, w- what's up? What's up, guys? Like maybe just yep. lay it out and for us. I, and I feel like have, have they done any of those lately? Because they did initially. Yeah. I remember in the Shanahan days they, they would do that. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't like how when you've got, like, you know, that game, you had two plays that people thought was were potential uh, suspensions, and one of them gets the hearing and the video and everything, and the other one just kind of gets ignored. Like, you don't... And I understand they can't, you know, they're going to say, look, we what do you, you want us to put out a press release on every hit that we don't look at or we don't yes. feel is worth a hearing? Yes, yes, I do. But earn your goddamn fucking <laughs> six-figure salaries for watching hockey all goddamn I'd love that, man. Yes. If they had to make a video for, like... As the replay shows, yeah. Tyler Pozak just kind of <laughs> bumps into Eric Carlson, and then they both giggle. I, why am I doing this? Like, no, but you know, like like the one the one with Ryko Gudis. Ryko Gudis like jumped into a devil, and like yeah. I, I thought that was a total accident. Like he was just trying to avoid somebody, and he jumped because he's just a stupid bad hockey player, and he just launches himself into a guy. And I don't think there should have been a suspension there, but. Like that's Ryko Gudis, and he hits a guy. Like maybe that one, you're just like, well, here's you what know we're what? thinking. You know what I bet it is? Again, I, 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 I bet that they've they've done them in the past, and at some point they realize as soon as we do a video saying this is why this is not a suspension, the next play that looks anything like that, that gets thrown back at us, and it's the same thing. It's oh, you know, it's these it fa- these fans just won't stop complaining. It's all the complainers that are ruining the NHL. Why can't people be? positive but like if you're the only say nice things but but how are you hearing about it like if if i'm like say if i'm the person that runs the nhl player safety twitter twitter account like i tweet the link and i just close twitter like i'm out i'm I'm not coming (laughs) i'm not coming back until the next suspension video like i'm not reading the mentions i don't want to hear that like who cares yeah that's true they need to they yeah they need to uh it's not like they're replying back to these people like like, that'd be great if like player safety like reply back like all snarky like you know like go f yourself you know like wait what (laughs) you're getting like Facebook messages from George Peros. Like, screw you, buddy. <laughs> oh, 
God. Yeah, but the trade deadline, um, I, like, I, I feel like it's going to be decent, but I don't think it's, a, it's, it's like, you know how before the season, we always look towards the end of the season and we're like, look at all these guys who are said to be UFAs. This is going to be great. And then like yeah. 80% of them get signed to extensions during the year. That's kind of the trade deadline. Like I can't, I can't, everyone's like, oh, Ryan McDonough, man, we got to get Ryan McDonough. And I get it because he's got, he's got so much value as a trade piece right now, but I just I just don't know how anyone's going to give up enough to make it worth it for the Rangers to trade him because he's like there's so few like he's probably like a top 15 number one guy and yeah like he may not come back if the Rangers are rebuilding but I, I don't know why you would give up like like anyone who's on like Grabner Nash I get it trade those guys you can probably get some nice stuff back there but you know Carlson McDonough like I don't I'll believe it when I, I still feel like there's a there's a play there for the Rangers. So let let everyone get all worked up over Carlson and Ekman Larson. Assume probably correctly that those teams aren't actually going to do anything until at least the off season, and then you kind of slide in and, and find some team and be like, look, you, you, yeah, you can wait till the off season, let an entire postseason go by. And then bid against 20 other teams for Eric Carlson. Or you can get 80% of Eric Carlson or however you want to sell it right now uh, and go into the playoffs with it. And and yeah, I feel like that, I, I don't know, I, I'm not completely ruling that one out. But the, the other thing that I'm interested to see is like people... The last few years has come this like running joke that the deadline is always a letdown and, and it has been. But part of the reason for that is that there was this trend towards teams getting their deals done earlier. So the, the deadline in terms of like the trades that were made in anticipation of the, the trade deadline was usually pretty good. But the deadline day itself uh, was kind of a dud because because all the all the big names were gone by then. And I'm curious to see if that happens again this year, because like you remember last year. When it did get down to deadline day and, and there were a lot of teams that were still holding guys and then it, it felt like the prices just plunged on the day itself. Like it, it, it just turned into mm-hmm. this real buyer's market and you had got like Thomas Vanek and guys like that were suddenly going and you're like, oh, they couldn't get more for him. And teams were like, yeah, well, we took what we could get because, you know, suddenly the, the market kind of collapsed on us in the last couple hours. I wonder if some teams are maybe going to be thinking like, Let's hold off a little bit, and instead of paying a premium uh, two weeks or one week before, maybe we play a little chicken here and see if if we can hold out and and get a get a better price closer to the deadline, which would be good as far as fans are concerned, because it would kind of ramp up that drama and 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 push more of the deals to the to the the final days. I'm old enough to remember a time when David Legwan and Kyle Quincy were worth first round mm-hmm. draft picks. That's how old I am. And now it's like, oh, man, you know, Ryan McDonough. Like, it's kind of funny because, like, the Kyle Turris, Matt Duchesne trade, I mean, that was forced because of Duchesne. But, like, what, 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 like okay, I know it's not going to happen because the Islanders are just the worst run team in the league, maybe outside of Ottawa. But, like, if, if, you, if you don't think John Tavares is going to come back, and he doesn't really have a big cap hit. You can you can you can withhold fifty percent of it. Like man, you could probably get so much stuff, so much stuff for John Tavares. And I get it. Like you you don't want to do it and all that. But man, like this, you're not going to be a playoff team. You just crapped the bed against Nashville last night. You're not good. You're giving up fifty shots a night. 
man, do something. I don't know. I just yeah, you'd think, but that's. I mean, this I is where it. the this is where the psychology comes in, and and GMs are not like it's the it's the biggest myth that people believe that your GM has your team's best interests as their top priority. Your GM has their own best interests. And I think Garth Snow knows that if he trades John Tavares, he is the GM who traded away John Tavares forever. If John Tavares walks as a free agent for nothing, he's the GM who lost him, but that's John Tavares walking away from the team. It's not the GM actively sending him away, even though you're right. You, you'd think you could just get a, get a windfall back. Um, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I hope I I got my fingers crossed that we'll we'll see some some big deals and and some stuff play out, but uh, we'll see. Uh, history suggests that I'm probably fooling myself. <laughs> you wanna you wanna do some questions before we uh before we fill out the yeah. hour here? Um, yep. This first one we're not gonna answer. We're just, I'm just gonna read it and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just let let it sit there. Um, this is from D tip, D period tip like a Q tip but with a D in the front. Which NHL city besides Philly would throw the biggest riot if they won or lost in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final? Now, look, I, like we're, all, we're all different ages, and we all remember things differently, <laughs> but I, I, feel like, I feel like you already know the answer to that question. I don't even have to say it. Riot, Game 7, yeah. Stanley Cup. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what city, but I'm... The, the I'm, bar has been set. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, Adam Brandt. Wants to know why is Sidney Crosby never in the Selkie discussion? He plays an excellent 200 foot game every year. I mean, look, do we have to give Sidney Crosby more awards that he doesn't need at this point? We've already, we've already given him two con smites he didn't deserve. You know, he's 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 got a trophy case full of medals and championships. The Selkie. Now we got to give him the Selkie. Come on, come on. I feel like that'll yeah that that'll be more of a later career thing. He'll get like the Ron Francis, Steve Eiserman treatment where. Yeah, he gets he gets the selkie, but he has. I'm I'm looking at it now. He has been in the top ten selkie voting the last two years. He's been in the top twenty the last five years. Now he hasn't come all that close to winning, but he's getting he's getting some consideration. He's being recognized for his accomplishments in the world of hockey. He's he's chin chin up, Sydney. (laughs) I know it. Um, I know sometimes it just feels like you're not being recognized, but. Uh, bruising Belak. This is kind of a thing we were going to talk about, but we we rambled about other stuff. Uh, what do you see in the Oilers' future? Do they bounce back next year? Do they go on a miraculous run this year? Will they be stuck in mediocre sludge that the Leafs were trapped in for years? Are they going to waste McDavid? That's like nine questions. Bruising Belak. Yeah, that's that's way too many questions. Uh, it, you know, I. It's like one of those questions I, that like they ask at like the, the like the White House press briefings. <laughs> like uh, I have a nine part yeah. question, and they only answer the last one. Like that's that's what this is. Yeah, yeah. That, um, I, you know what? Like, and this sounds ridiculous. But the Oilers still scare me. <gasps> and I watched that game last night against the Lightning. Look at you. Connor McDavid was so ridiculous last night that it's like, that's the kind of thing where you're like, if Connor McDavid plays like that, to, and, and, you know, it wasn't, it, he, it wasn't like he was doing something we'd never seen him do before. It was just one of those games where you're like, oh, right, you're Connor McDavid. If he plays that way ten games in a row, they could win ten games in a row. Like, and oh, I agree. If he scores four goals a game for ten games, in, they're going to win ten games in a row for sure. But it was like I tweeted that even before he got you know the four goals. He was only you know he was only a few minutes into the game, but he was just flying. 
and you're just like, there's no answer for this guy. And it's, you know, so I, I, I have no faith in the Oilers organization. I have no faith in the way that they've put their roster together, the way they built the, the team, the way that they're building the, the, the front office and coaching and bringing all the old boys back and, and all of this. I've got zero faith, but like Connor McDavid on his own, I, I just, I cannot comprehend a scenario in which the Oilers are not contenders for an extended period of time when they've got this guy in the lineup who can have games like last night against Tampa. And, you know, granted, it was the end of a road trip. It was all that, all, all the, the markings of a letdown game for the Lightning. But he's going out there against the best team in the league. And he just, if, if you'd never watched hockey before and you just watched that, you'd be like, why is this guy from the A-League playing in a game with 40 other B-Leaguers? Because he was just this this different level. It was like a cheat code in a video game. And I, I'm just sitting there going, man, if if he just has a month where he just looks like that every night, you know, who, who's to say that the Oilers don't suddenly make up an awful lot of those whatever 10 or 11 points back they are? I can't. Count them out. And I know I'm, I'm saying that, and they're going to finish 20 points back, and I'm going to sound ridiculous. <laughs> but until they're mathematically out, I don't... I'm um, Connor McDavid still scares the hell out of me. 11 points out with 31 games to go. They have to leapfrog four teams to get to either third in the division or the wild card spot. they got to pass Chicago, Anaheim, Calgary, and Colorado. And then it's, it's one of those situations where the mm. only... You're, you're going... Look, you can't you mm-hmm. can't just play good hockey. You got to win like twelve games in a row to even get in the conversation. And anyone else, you go. So therefore, end of conversation. You're not in. I I, I watched Connor McDavid do what he did last night, and I'm like, I I don't know. Mm. This, no, you know what this is. This is this goes back to what we were talking about. When you gamble early and you win, you feel like you can do it all the time. You got the Connor McDavid rush of seeing him do his thing, yeah. awesome thing once, and you're like, oh, he can do that all the time. But really. You're, you're going to start hemorrhaging wins and, and you're going to start losing because it's just impossible to, to play at that rate for for, um, for a month. Yeah, uh, I think what we're saying is the Oilers need more grit and they need to go and yeah. they need to become harder to play against at the deadline. Got to get Cody McLeod, man. They, they need him. They need him to protect to protect the protectors who protect McDavid. Just another layer of protection, like a little security home home security thing. I think is what they need. C. Um, Dunk Cook. The men's gold medal game, I believe this is the Olympics, is at 1.10 a.m. Eastern time. What would it take for you to watch it live? Um, Canada, U.S., I would probably say it needs to be. I, I can stay yeah. up till 4 in the morning. That's 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 doable. It's, and it is on a Saturday night, I think. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, you know, that's... You're, it, yeah I don't know. I, I mean, can't, for me, Canada would have to be in it, and I feel like, yeah, Canada, U.S. might do it. Canada, Canada, Russia... Or whatever we're we're calling the Russians might do it, or it might not. Yeah, that we'll that see. might be one of those like PVR it and then just get up the next morning. Forget that you PVR it. Check Twitter. Have the result <laughs> ruined for you, and then. Um. Let's see. Let's do two more, and then let's go home. Let's. Uh. Luke Coulter. Who is the Nick Foles of the NHL? Yeah, I saw that. I don't I'm, hmm. I'm like it would have to be a goaltender, right? Like I'm I'm guessing he's talking in terms of like the backup who could win and not like the goofy looking guy that because 
if we're going based on that, there's too many contenders to <laughs> like who's to a mention. who's like a good backup? Is it is it Matt Murray? Like Matt Murray took over for Marc Andre Fleury, and now he's... see, but no, Matt Murray was was young, right? It needs to be a guy that has like established himself as like a pro quality but not starter quality guy kind of head the shot at, at starting and then doesn't inspire a lot of confidence and then suddenly somebody gets hurt and he comes in so yeah i'm it's weird yeah because he did have that one year where his like touchdown interception ratio was like 31 to 2 or some crazy thing with chip kelly yes like, so it's got to be a guy who was really good for a minute and then we were all like no he sucks and then he just showed up at the right time and and was was a leader of a good team that was already there. Yeah, that's Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we we might get a chance to find out if Curtis McElhaney is Nick Foles considering Frederick Anderson got kicked in the head last night by Corey Perry. Yeah, it's a really so we'll, we'll have to see on really that. It's a specific thing. What about uh Kubiden in in Boston maybe? The other guy I'm kind of thinking it doesn't really work cuz he signed as a free agent but uh steve mason has a little bit of nick Foles to him mm, yeah he's even yeah. got that philly connection you know i had the had the good year sort of given up on you like tim Tom, young tim lo- loses is is brought in to kind of compete for a job but then the young guy beats him out and now everyone loves the young guy but if you know if any like i'm not saying anything would ever happen to connor but like let's just say somebody <laughs> broke a stick over his head <laughs> Could Steve Mason come in? Uh, uh, I don't know. Oh God! All right. Um, actually, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shut it down. We're gonna wrap it up. That was that was that was a good question session. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed another another wonderful day of of podcasting in Brooklyn, as as one does. Um, I don't know what I'm gonna write this week that's hockey related. I know I already I already wrote a Patriots thing that's definitely made Twitter fun the last couple of days. It always does. Um, I don't know. You got anything you want to plug before we before we go home, or before I go uh, home? You know what? Check out on on Friday on Vice when I do my my kind of weekly Friday grab bag column. I always do a I always find a YouTube video to to break down, and I I don't want to give it away, but I honestly think I found the most obscure, bizarre Olympic highlight video that exists on YouTube. And I'll I'll leave it at that, but uh, check check that out because I uh, yeah I had a lot of fun with with that. So we're gonna we're gonna break that down and uh, uh, probably also talk about things that happened in the last decade or so as well. But if I if I must, what's it like to be so organized and plan ahead? I, that, that that must be so comforting to like not be be like me and just be like I think I know what I want to write, but I don't know, and maybe I'll hold out until something better. No, comes see, up. I just. See, then you find you find the clip from like thirty years ago, and then everything else you just leave to the last moment. Because <laughs> like you're you're probably like me, right? Like every now and then you're like, I'm gonna try to write something in advance, and then like Ugh. every time that like who, like whoever I you you write about uh, the MVP case for blah, and then like you flip on the game and they're getting loaded into a helicopter, or like <laughs> rushed off to you know, like, all right. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's it for us. Uh, you know, do the iTunes thing, the Twitter thing, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.